Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. We're going to read from God's Word. Why don't we all stand? That's what we do to honour God's Word. We're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, but you, Zoe, but you watching online, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, holy nation. God's own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Lord, as we open your word, we acknowledge it's your word and your truth. And you're the one that determines who we are, not us, not our parents, not our teachers. We want to be who you have called us to be. So show things to us afresh today. Reveal your truth to our hearts and minds. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said with a smile, amen. Amen. Now, before you take your seats, here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach into your pocket and get your wallet or your purse out. We're not going to have an offering. But I want you to find a coin. And if you don't have one, Steal one from the person next to you. So take your seats and get out a coin. Any coin, doesn't matter. If you're watching online, you get a coin as well. And I want you to look at the, the side of your coin. Come on, Sharon, get on with it. <laughs> there you go. All right, you all got one? Now look at your coin. The side with the, king, the queen's head. And I want you to look and see if you can read what's written on the outside. Now, if you don't have a coin, because most of you can't read it, so we've got one here. And you'll see those letters, Elizabeth II, DG, Reg, FD. I wonder if you've ever wondered what that means. It's actually an abbreviation of the Latin term De Gratia. Regina, Fidie, Defensor. It means in English, by the grace of God, Queen, Defender of the Faith. Fidie, Defensor, Defender of the Faith. In 1521, Pope Leo X granted the title Defender of the Faith to King Henry VIII of England. Since that time, every English monarch has claimed the title which is announced at the accession but fully granted at the coronation. In 1994, the then Prince Charles triggered a controversy when he said he would be the defender of faith or the defender of of faiths and not the defender of the faith. It was a desire to reflect Britain's diversity. And there were suggestions that the coronation oath 
might be altered. At the time, I was 24 years of age, and I felt God prompt me to write to Prince Charles, so I did. And I got a letter back, complete, with a royal seal, thanking me for the letter that I'd written, and I was assured that Prince Charles had read it. Why did I write it? Because I thought it's an important issue. 2015, an interview with Prince Charles on BBC Radio 2, he claimed his views had been misrepresented. He said, at the same time as being defender of the faith, I want to be protector of other faiths. So next year, King Charles III will have his coronation. And I'm going to be watching very closely to see whether he chooses to be defender of the faith. But this week, as that issue came back to my mind, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me and say, Steve, the issue is not whether King Charles will be the defender of the faith. The issue is, will you? Will you be a defender of the faith? So the title of this message is Defenders of the Faith. For King Charles to become the defender of the faith, he needs to go through specific elements of the coronation service. There's a process. It's a service which is rich with symbolism and meaning. The coronation service which will take place next year for King Charles dates back, are you ready for this overseas? 900 years the English monarchy has been running the same coronation service. 900 years, but it dates back even further, some 2,500 plus years to an ancient ceremony conducted in the Bible by Zadok the priest, whose the music that will be sung at the coronation will be Handel's Zadok the king when he anointed King Solomon. It's taken from 1 Kings 1, 38, says, So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and a few others, they went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and they took him to Gihon. Then Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle around Solomon and he blew the horn and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. That's where you get the phrase, long live the king. And all the people went up after him and the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth seemed to split with their sound. The coronation of Queen Elizabeth in 1853, she was anointed and enthroned and therefore claimed the term defender of the faith. And the Dean of Westminster at the end of the service stood up and he prayed these words. And as Solomon was anointed king by Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet, be thou anointed, blessed, and consecrated queen over all the peoples whom the Lord thy God hath given thee to rule and govern. She became defender of the faith. Based on an ancient biblical ceremony that took place 2,500 years ago. See, the Bible teaches us in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9 that you and you online are a royal priesthood. 
And today the Holy Spirit is asking, will we be all that God has called us to be? Will we be defenders of the faith? In Revelation 1, verse 5 and 6, it says, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. So who's the ultimate boss? It's King Jesus. He's the one who raises up and ordains the rulers of the earth. And it says he does three things. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood and then made us kings and priests. Jesus does three three things in our lives. He loves us, he washes us, and he makes us kings and queens. Most of us don't have any trouble believing that he loves us and he washes us. But do you really believe he's making you into a king and a queen? That's who you are, a defender of the faith. To become a defender of the faith, you have to go through a coronation. If you look on the royal website, there's a definition of coronation. It says this, a coronation is a ceremony marking the formal investiture of a monarch with regal power. I love that language. I don't know about you, but for someone like me and Mark Hollinger to become a king or a queen, we need something more than we bring to the table. We need an investiture of regal power. And for you to become a king or a queen, you need to be invested with his power to be a defender of the faith. So we're going to look at the coronation service briefly. In 1853, for the first time in history, television cameras were allowed in. I'd encourage you this week to go on YouTube and watch this ancient ceremony that took place on the 2nd of June of 1853 in Westminster Abbey. In the UK alone, 26 million watched on TV and TVs were new. 11 million listened on the radio and across the world, countless millions watched this program. The coronation was arranged as it had been since 1386 by the Duke of Norfolk. Not the Duke of Ipswich, the Duke of Norfolk for 700 years had been arranging the coronation service. I think Norfolk's pretty good at raising up kings and queens. And by the way, in Soul Church, we're not just raising children. We're not babysitting kids. We are raising kings and queens. Mum and dad, I hope you don't just look at your kids as little rat bags, but you recognize that you have the opportunity to raise kings and queens. We're building a church and one day, by God's grace, a school. Why? Because we're raising kings and queens been doing it for 700 years 3 million people lined the route 30,000 servicemen actively took part in this procession the queen set out in the golden stagecoach in a coronation dress made with gold and silver thread the robe of state which was 6 yards long and required 6 Maids of honor to lift it. Coronation began at 11.15 and lasted three hours. And there are seven crucial stages in the coronation. Each one specifically chosen, rich in symbolism 
and meaning. So let's go through those seven really quickly. Number one, it starts with the coronation oath. The queen is asked whether she will govern the laws with justice and mercy, and she replies, the things which I have here promised, I will perform and keep. So help me, God. Starts with an oath, a promise, an acknowledgement that she needs the help of God. Number two, then a Bible is presenter, presented. The moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland, James Pitt Wilson, takes the Bible and presents it to Elizabeth. And I love what he says. I think it's on the screens. Our gracious queen, to keep your majesty ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes. We present you with this book. The most valuable thing that this world affords. The queen's got everything she needs. The Cullen and Diamond worth multiple millions. But this is the moment when she receives the most valuable thing this world can afford. Because here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These, you guys online, are the oracles of God. She takes an oath. The Bible is presented. And then thirdly, as you watch it online, the robe is removed. The coronation dress, the robe of state, and she stands in a simple white dress. Because that's how we come to him. With no adornments. We come as we are. We come with our frailties. We come as airport Steve. We come in all of the addictions and habits and failures. It's the only way you can meet him. And he starts to remove them. And then number four, perhaps the most powerful of all is the anointing ceremony. I've already told you that the Queen's coronation was the first to ever be tele televised. It's caused a huge debate in Parliament. Prime Minister Winston Churchill didn't want it to be televised. But the Queen put her foot down. She said, I want it to be televised. But she insisted that there was one part of the coronation ceremony that couldn't be viewed and it's at this point she insisted the cameras must be switched off you say why because 16 years earlier when her father king george the sixth had his coronation she watched and she watched this part in the service the anointing ceremony and she believed it to be a holy moment, a moment of mystery, a moment of transcendence and transformation, when literally she would be changed, just a young woman, to a queen with the power to rule and reign. 
And so as you watch the coronation, you'll see the knights of the garter hold a canopy and divested of her royal robes and her adornments, the queen is hidden from our sides underneath that canopy. And the Archbishop of Canterbury steps in with the holy anointing oil from the ampulla and he anoints her head. He anoints her hands and he anoints her chest. The royal journalist Catherine Papinster wrote this, the most sacred and private of moments in the whole coronation is when the queen is presented as a frail creature who has now been brought into contact with the divine and thus transformed into a queen. And friends, when we come to him, divested of all of our external things, we encounter a God, God the Holy Spirit, who lays his hands upon us. We're invested with royal power. It doesn't happen in public. It happens in private. It's just you and him. We live in a world that is obsessed with the externals, with celebrity and Instagrammable moments. You're not transformed in those moments with God. You're transformed one-on-one. -on -one. The Christian life is a life lived for the audience of one. And he wants to lay his hands upon you. Upon your head with the thoughts that you've struggled with. He wants to put his hands and anoint your hands for everything that you do. Your workplace and raising your children. But most of all, most intimate of all, puts his hand on your chest. Because that's where he wants to live. And lead you and prompt you. It was a holy moment for me. It didn't happen in Westminster Hall in London. It happened in a little village hall called Clarence Hall. Dirty, run-down little hall with 30 people and a preacher by the name of Rose MacDonald from the south coast and a fisherman from Peterhead called Louis. They laid hands on me. And in that moment, I felt the Spirit of God fill me for the first time as a 15-year-old. And I was invested with regal power. What about you, friend? But it's not just a one-off thing. It wasn't just something that happened in 1984. Because here's the thing about the Queen's anointing oil. It's made up very specifically of oils from... Things like oranges and cinnamon. There's a precise recipe for it. Roses and musk and ambergris. And usually a batch is made up to last for several coronations. But in 1941, a bomb dropped on the deanery and destroyed the anointing oil. And so the surgeon apothecary ordered a new batch to be made. And it was fresh oil, fresh oil that the queen was anointed with. 
Thank God I don't have to rely on what God did for me in the Clarence Hall in 1983. Thank God that every day I can come to the Holy Spirit and say, would you fill me? Would you anoint me? I don't know about you, but I need fresh oil. I need a new touch of the Holy Spirit if I'm to become the king that God has called me to be. It's got fresh oil for you today. It's personal. It's when you need it the most. One of the definitions of the anointing, if you, if you look amazingly in the Cambridge Dictionary, I was shocked when I read this. It defines the anointing as this, to make someone a king or a queen. To make someone a king. God wants to anoint you to be a king or a queen. Ellie, do you have that oil that I asked you? Where's Joseph Betts? Would you come up here, Joseph? We're in the, I didn't do this in the first service, but I turned around in the second service. I'm going to ask Pastors John and Chantal to come. Can Ellie, can you give it to them? I want you to stand just on that cross, Joseph. Because I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that you're a king, mate. You're a king. And there's more in you than you ever realized. It's Christ in you. And I felt today we're heading into wonder season when tens of thousands of people are going to be impacted. And God has set you apart. He's given you incredible natural gifts. But I felt today we needed to anoint you and see you filled with fresh power. And so I'm going to ask our pastors to lay their hands on your head, on your hands, and on your chest. And church, I'm going to believe this is going to be a sacred moment for this guy, but not just for him, but for the whole of our wonder that we're doing. So would you stretch your hands out? And Father, right now, as our pastors anoint Joseph, I pray that whatever he struggled with in his mind or in his hands or in his heart, that this would be a moment of divine impartation for what you have for him. We thank you for him and we bless him right now. Holy Spirit, would you anoint him with fresh oil in this moment, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, Joseph, look at me. You're anointed for this. Whenever the enemy tells you any different, you lift your head up. You are anointed. And not only are you anointed, but you're going to start to raise up kings. You're going to train them. You're going to develop them. And you're going to see the gift on your life multiply. Come on, give him a round of applause. He's a good man. Defenders of the faith. So number one, there's the coronation oath. Number two, the Bible's presented. Number three, the robe is removed. Number four, the anointing ceremony. How amazing is this, by the way? How profound is our heritage? Is it any wonder she lasted for 70 years? Because she set out on the right foundation. Christ was at the center of every aspect of this coronation service. Number five, the next thing that happens after the anointing. If you watch it on YouTube, you'll see the queen sit down on her throne and then this happens. The robe royale is given to her. She's given a number of gifts in this moment. If you've got the Tower of London, see the crown jewels, you'll see the, 
the spurs so she can ride with the authority of a queen. You'll see the sovereign's golden orb with the jeweled cross. And then you'll see that she's invested with the royal robe made of gold and the queen's ring. Sounds to me like the prodigal that returned. Came back to the father's house. What did the father say? Put on the robe and give him a ring. It's a sign of authority. And she's given this magnificent golden robe in Psalm 61.10. It says, I'll rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. I've got good news for you. You walked in and you felt dirty. You felt sinful. Here's what he does. He puts a new robe on you. He clothes you with a robe of righteousness. And friend, here's the good news. You don't need to make the robe. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how skillful you are. Do you think for one second the queen made this? Can you imagine her stitching it up, putting it all together? Not a chance. It's a gift to her. And you don't have to earn and make your own salvation, your own righteousness. It is given to you. You are clothed with his righteousness. How good is the gospel? And then number six. Having been given the robe, number six. Then she's given the swords. The queen is given not one, but two swords. Scepter of the cross and the scepter with the dove. Let's look at both. Firstly, the scepter of the cross. This is put in her right hand and it symbolizes her authority to rule over the state and her empire. This sword alone is decorated with 333 diamonds. And it includes the Cullinan diamond, the largest clear-cut diamond in the world. The best that this world can offer. But on the top of that sword is not the diamond. It's a cross. What a powerful image. So that's in her right hand. But then... In her left hand is the scepter with the dove. That's a different scepter. But the scepter with the dove has an image of a dove on the top with its wings. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And when she's given this, the scepter of the cross represents her authority in the world. But the scepter of the dove represents her authority in the church. And that's the moment she becomes officially defender of the faith. Now that scepter, it's also interestingly called the rod of equity and mercy. The rod of equity and mercy. 285 gemstones. And on the top, a dove. Equity is when you get what you deserve. Mercy is what you, when you get what you don't deserve. And the thing I love about God's word is in Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Think of that, sharper than any sword, God's word. Sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The sharpest blade, 
that can cut to that division between soul and spirit. Mark Hollinger went for a hip operation recently. The surgeon went in with a scalpel that was so precise that it could divide between joint and marrow. How many know you don't want a surgeon messing with a machete at a moment like that? It's got to be precise. It's got to go into those parts. And sometimes in life, it's hard to know when to give equity, let somebody get what they deserve, and when to show mercy. How many of you have been in situations where sometimes you just don't know what to say and don't know what to do? It's at those moments that we need the dove, the Holy Spirit, to say, this is how you wield the sword in this moment. This week I was at a wedding, and I was sat next to this lovely lady, classy lady, beautifully dressed, and we... I asked her her name and then I asked her what she did and she was a property developer, very successful. And she asked me what I did. Now, sometimes I just don't tell people because it closes everything down, but I told her. And you know when you get a cold response, bordering a hostile, oh, I'm stuck with you for the next two hours. But I kept going and we kept, we kept chatting and asked her about her family and she had a son who was in Australia. He's 30 years of age and she didn't see him for two and a half years during COVID. So I said, well, I had a daughter and she lived in Australia and I didn't see her for two and a half. And so we connected. Because right now I'm yielding the scepter of the dove with mercy and grace. You know, sometimes you've got to be more interested in the person than them being a spiritual scalp. And so as I talked to her just about her life, it was just kind and gracious and generous. For about 30 minutes, she said, you know, I told you I'm not religious. But she said, but I am spiritual. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I believe in guardian angels. I've seen mine on the end of my bed. She said, I, I do Ouija boards, which, by the way, is really dangerous. After a few minutes, I could see tears in her eyes and she says, I have a fear of death. And the Holy Spirit, scepter of the dove, he said, now tell her. Tell her about Jesus. So I just gently told her a story about my grandmother and how she encountered Jesus while in a coma. And she hung onto a cross. And I looked her in the eye and I said, you don't have to fear death because of Jesus and at the end of our conversation she's moving to another part of the country she said but it's near her daughter she said but I've noticed there's a there's a church she says after talking to you I'm going to go to that church now so you need to know when to wield the sword because a sharp sword it can cut and bring healing and life like it did to Mark or it can bring guilt and condemnation oh we need the Holy Spirit Jesus said, my words are spirit and they're life. They're meant to bring healing and help to people. So let's be led by the dove. Be sensitive to him. And then finally, the last part of the, you can watch it online after the receiving of the scepters. There's the queen sat on the throne. 
scepter of the cross, scepter of the dove. The last part. The archbishop steps forward with the crown. St. Edward's crown, which has been used since the 13th century to crown English monarchs. It contains 444 precious stones, estimated to be worth 3.6 million pounds. And as the archbishop lays the crown upon her head, simultaneously the congregation chant, God save the queen three times and in the Tower of London there's a 21 gun salute she becomes the defender of the faith I've always loved crowns my name is Steve do we have any other Steves in the room one two wow the whole of our church there are four Four Steves. There was one in the last. Was there another one over here? Don't don't be embarrassed or ashamed, please. Oh, there we go. Tubby. Didn't know your name was Steve. Do you know what it means? Term the, the name Steve. And by the way, if you have kids, can one of you call it Steve? Just so there's a little Steve running around the church. You never meet anyone who calls their kids Steve, do you? Ever. Ben and Patricia, just crack on, get on with it. <laughs> I've always loved crowns because the word Stephen comes from a Greek word, Stephanos, and it means the crown, the crowned one. What happens next? The coronation. The queen is crowned as the defender of the faith. She sat with her head held high. Let me tell you why. Because if her neck falls down, the crown is so heavy it can break her neck. She's got to keep her head up. Some of you are kings and queens. Stop walking around like this. Stop allowing the enemy to tell you you're no good. You are a king and a queen. You wear a crown, so you lift your head up. Don't allow the enemy to break your neck. Here's what the queen does. Got all these robes and all these riches and an orb and everything this world can offer. What does she do next? She lays it all down. She walks to the altar and she kneels before Jesus. You know what I'm going to do when I die? I'm going to go to heaven. Jesus is going to put a crown on my head a Stephanos according to Revelation 4.10 I'm going to bow at his knees I'm going to take my crown and I'm going to give it back to him why? because I made an oath and he helped me he gave me his word and he strengthened me he anointed me with fresh oil and he transformed me. He gave me robes of righteousness that I wear. And then he put a crown on my head as a symbol of authority. But we don't walk with arrogance. We walk with authority, but we walk in humility because it's all because of him. I don't know about you, but I want to be a defender of the faith. 
because of all that Jesus has done for me. I think our nation needs to know that our roots are based in this ceremony. Our roots are based on the Word of God and the authority of God at every single stage. Friend, let me ask you, some of you are new to church. Some of you have no idea about Jesus. You thought you would come into a traditional service and you're like, wow, what is this? But you know, you sense the presence of God in this place in the worship. And right now, He's tapping on the door of your heart and saying, I want to come in. You're not here by accident, friend. You're not watching online by accident. God loves you. And He wants to cleanse you. And He wants to make you a king and a queen. You say, how? How do I become a Christian? You know, it's really easy. It starts with that first step. What was the first step? You declare an oath. You make a promise. And you say, God, I'm going to serve you from this day forward. Would you help me to live my life for you? I made that at 13. Every week across this church, people make that decision. It would be my greatest honor to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of commitment to take that first step. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you don't know Jesus, but you know you need Him, you need His help, He'll forgive you of your past. He'll give you a life of meaning and purpose and an eternal hope so you never have to fear death. I would love to include you in a prayer. It's all you need to do. Ask Him. Say, God, would you come in? Would you help me? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to count to three. If you want to get right with God, if you want Jesus in your life, then step one, you've got to make that oath. So we're all going to pray together, but especially those of you that raise your hands. So when I count to three, if you want to pray this prayer, and just so I know who I'm praying for, when I count to three, you raise your hand. Are you ready? This is your moment. It's between you and God, friend. Are you ready? One two, three. That's it. Raise your hand. Thank you, champion. I love that. Come on, all over. You right? Thank you. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you, sweetheart. I love that. Anyone else? You just raise your hand. Beautiful. Now we're all going to pray this prayer together. Just repeat it after me, everyone. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. To forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Amen. Father, for every person watching online, listening in the car that prayed that prayer, everyone in this room right now, Spirit of God, would you come into their hearts and lives and transform them. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Come on, put our hands together. Let's congratulate those people. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. 
and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.